0: This morning, the passage is going to be from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. 1 Samuel, chapter 3. You can follow along up here, or you can um, open up your Bible as well, whichever you'd prefer. And this monitor is not on, by the way, here in front of me, too. But I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel, chapter 3, the, the entire chapter. It's not too long. Uh, down to verse 21. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel! And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew. And the Lord was with him, and none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Amen. This is God's word. Uh, In this chapter, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it is a very dark time in the nation of Israel. It's a very dark time. Um, What was happening here specifically was, there was a temple, and God was worshiped at his temple through sacrifice, but what was happening at the temple, the religious establishment of Israel, uh, the priesthood, all of these different things had fallen into disrepute. Why? What was happening? Because Eli, the chief priest at this time, was letting his sons, who were also priests, run amok in the temple. They were running amok in the temple. What do I mean by that? What were they doing? People were coming, and they were bringing their animals to sacrifice before God. And in the Old Testament, it made it very, very clear and specific that the fat of the animal was to be burned and given to the Lord alone. It was to be offered and burned on the altar, and and the, the aroma of that offering would go up to God, and he would breathe it in, and it would be a pleasing offering to him. And the reason for that is because the fat is the tastiest part. We all know that, right? If you have a steak, that rind, that little bit of fat, done just right, flavors it and makes it so good, God knew that as well, and the fat belonged to the Lord. But Eli's sons would tell people when they brought their offering, give me some of that now. And they would say, no, 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 let let me first offer this to God and make sure the fat is offered to him. They'd say, no, give me a chunk of that now or we're going to forcefully come and take it from you. Because these priests wanted to eat tasty food more than they cared about doing things according to God's word. That was happening. Not only that, but the the priests, specifically Eli's sons, were actually engaging in adultery with women who were serving at the temple. If you can believe that. They would go, and I don't know what they did, proposition these other women who were there serving the Lord in the temple, and they would sleep with them. Maybe they used their spiritual authority to be able to coerce them or something or another, but they were sleeping with the women at the temple. And this became widely known throughout Israel so that the people began to grumble and complain about what was happening. And Eli, get this, when Eli heard about what was happening, he went over, he grabbed his sons, and he did rebuke them, and he said, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, you're priests, but they would go on doing it. And then eventually Eli just said, oh well, what's the father to do? I told them they won't listen, what can I do? It's on them. But he did not take it to the next level. He did not remove his sons from the priesthood. He did not do what not only a dad, but a priest, a high priest, was supposed to do. And this was happening. And the people of Israel were aware of this and they grumbled against the priesthood. It was dark times in Israel. Because of this, as it says in verse 1 the word of the Lord was rare. In those days, God wasn't speaking very often. It's not because God doesn't speak. God does speak. But God wasn't speaking very much because of what was happening with their religion, with the priesthood of Israel. Everything was just running amok. It was dark times in Israel. You know, I think in some ways, when we think about today, when we think about America or or the church around the world, we can say that there are some dark times as well. When we look at the news and and, and, and what's being reported on, and we see scandal after scandal after scandal, huge names, Bill Hybels, Ravi Zacharias, Carl Lentz, just having affairs or things um, um, that happen that show up in the news. And it doesn't have to be just celebrity pastors or ministers. But many of us, we know smaller churches, medium-sized churches where where scandal breaks out and people lose their faith in Christianity. Maybe some of you have been a part of a church like that. Maybe you used to go to a church like that and experience that personally firsthand and it it dims your view of the church. Um, Maybe you've heard people around you say, I would never become a Christian. Why would I become a Christian? When I look at Christians, they're no different from anybody else. In fact, I know a lot of Christians who I would never want to be like. They're hypocrites. Maybe you've heard people say that. It doesn't have to be just the celebrity pastors. It could be anybody around that is giving God a bad name and creating a sense of darkness over the church. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3, there was hope. There was hope, and that hope is symbolized in verse 3 when it says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. It hadn't gone out yet. Now, you could just read that as a simple reference to the lamp that was in the temple. The lamp had to be lit at night and had to stay on all night long until sunrise, and then the lamp would be extinguished. So this was sometime in the middle of the night or maybe approaching dawn and the lamp was not yet out. And it could be a simple thing about the lamp, but I think that there's something much more symbolic here that's going on. The author of 1 Samuel is saying, even though things were so dark, there was still hope. There was still hope. And that hope was represented in this young boy Samuel who would become a prophet, who would become someone through whom the voice of God would be able to be heard again in the land of Israel. It wasn't pitch darkness yet. There was still hope. What what does this hope mean? This hope is about hearing from God. That's what this hope symbolizes. Look at the contrast here. It says that Eli's eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. Was this just a physical thing? As he got old, he just wasn't able to see that well anymore? Or is there something more here? Is the author trying to tell us something? I absolutely believe that he is. Eli, the the spiritual representative of the people of Israel, the chief priest the one who is supposed to guide the whole nation in how to worship God and how to relate to God, he could hardly see. That's not an accident. It is an indication of his spiritual state. He was spiritually blind. We had a situation of the blind leading the blind in Israel. That's how bad things were becoming. This is what it's like when you have religion without relationship with God. You know, it's really crazy when you think about it. Eli knew how to do temple worship. He probably knew the Torah pretty well, the first five books of the Old Testament. He was the one there day and night overseeing what happened at the temple and the sacrifices and the lamps and the showbread and all of these different things. He knew the religion of Israel so well, but he couldn't see. He was spiritually blind. He had no real relationship with God. In fact, God didn't even speak to him. How did he hear from God? Through somebody else. Through Samuel. But the opposite of that is this young boy, Samuel, who was just new to the temple, who was just new to this religion of Israel. But God was speaking to him. He could hear God's voice. Brothers and sisters, this verse here in verse 7 it's the key verse here in the life of Samuel. It's the key verse here in the beginning in this chapter. And it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I think there is a relationship here that is really strong and is really clear, especially when you contrast it to Eli. Eli was somebody who knew so much about God, about the religion of Israel, about the sacrificial system, about what he was supposed to do, but he did not hear God's voice. He did not hear the word of the Lord, so his religion was dead. That led to dark times in Israel. That will lead to dark times in America. That will lead to dark times around us. When people look at a religion and they say, it's so dead, why would I become a Christian? You know all these facts, you know things about the Bible, but you don't have a relationship with God. You don't hear from him. But Samuel was a young boy who his knowledge of God and his relationship with God was deeply tied with the word of the Lord being revealed to him. In other words, to him hearing God's voice. Brothers and sisters, the point of this message is this. Christianity Being a Christian is not just about knowledge, knowing all the facts of the Bible, being the the Bible trivia champion. Some of you in here are probably Bible trivia champion in elementary school or in Awana or something like that. It's not just about being Bible trivia champion. It's not about having gone to seminary. It's not about having read systematic theology by by Calvin or Bavink or, or whoever. It's not about those things in and of themselves. That's not what knowing God is limited to. But it is about a relationship with God where God is actively speaking in your life, where you're able to hear his voice, not necessarily audibly. That may happen for some people. It's never happened for me. It may happen one day. I hope it does. But you hear from God through conviction, And you just have those moments in your life where you know God is speaking to me. God is leading me. God is guiding me and my family in this moment right now. God is speaking into my life. You see, because if we don't have that, religion becomes dead. It becomes knowledge. It becomes what Eli was doing. But religion, Christianity that is alive is a relationship with God in which, as we talked about last week, we speak to him because he listens. But it's also a relationship where we hear the voice of God. Brothers and sisters, friends, hearing from God is very normal. It's very normal. In fact, it is abnormal not to hear from God. When, When God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, what was their relationship like? When there was no sin, when the relationship was not broken yet, they took walks probably every day. Adam and Eve taking a walk with God and talking about the things of the garden and God's like, hey, what'd you decide to name that thing? With the long neck. And Adam's like, giraffe. (laughs) They had discussions about things. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't long, I think it was later that day, God came walking by, where are you? Maybe it was time for their daily walk and talk. God made them to be in relationship with him, in conversation with God. Genesis says that we're made in the image of God. That means we are made like God in a way that animals are not, and that animals can never be. The way that we create art, the way that we love, the way that we philosophize, and the way that we talk and communicate with each other and are able to share the deep things of our hearts and our thoughts, our emotions, all of those things. We're made in the image of God, and if we have a mouth and we speak, that means God has a mouth and he speaks because we're made in his image. In fact, if, if you go through Christian life not expecting to hear from God, Not expecting God to speak from you. That is actually paganism. In Psalm 115, verses 4 to 5, the psalmist says this. He says, their idols, meaning false gods, their idols are silver and gold. The work of human hands. They have mouths, because they carve a mouth on it, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying these people, they they, they make a god out of silver or gold. They carve it, and they say it represents some god. But just like that carving, that idol, their god doesn't speak. It's like that idol. It's made out of wood. It's made out of stone. It doesn't speak. It doesn't see. And in fact, when we treat God that way, where we go through life and we have no expectation of hearing from God, We're no different than those idol worshipers. We've turned our God into an idol of silver and gold. But our God speaks. Our God speaks. He is not like these false idols. Again, friends, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It doesn't say God didn't speak ever. It said the word of the Lord was rare. Why? Because the people were walking in false religion. But the word of God is not supposed to be rare when people are walking with God. They were just going through the motions. Friends, you know, Christine and I have been married for 14 years, 14 wonderful years, 15 wonderful years, 15 wonderful, years, 15 wonderful Years, time flies when you're having fun. And, uh, you know, we could go through, how many husbands can relate with me right now? Right now. You're feeling for me, right? You, you're feeling for me right now. It, if, if I had said, you know, Christine and I, we're going through the motions of marriage. You know, whoever cooks is cooking, whoever drives is driving. Whoever does that errand is doing that errand. Whoever keeps the books is keeping the books. We're all doing that stuff. Even the parenting. You know, we're dropping off the kids at school. We're picking them up. We're helping them with their homework. And we're doing all those things. Everything's moving along. But if I were to say to you, oh, yeah, but me and her, me and Christine, we haven't been talking. What would you say? What's wrong? What's going on in your marriage? You guys aren't talking? There must be something wrong. Oh, no, no, we're picking up the kids, we're dropping them off, we're we're washing the car, we're doing the dishes, we're doing all those stuff. Yeah, but what's wrong? Why aren't you guys talking? It's so obvious to us, isn't it? That in a relationship, if there's no communication, something is wrong. But how many of us are so content to go through the motions of Christian life. Maybe you show up at church. Maybe you, you, you sing the songs. Maybe you read your Bible. Maybe you pray your list of prayers and you, the Lord's Prayer. You, you, you go to your Bible study. You do all these things. But you have no expectation that God will actually speak to you in a way that you can hear and that you know, God spoke to me. Why aren't we saying There's something wrong with my relationship with God right now. There's something wrong. Now, please don't misunderstand me, brothers and sisters. God has spoken to us by his word. We have the word of God. This is the voice of God to us. We have this. We can read it anytime we want to. And this is God speaking to us. But I do believe that God also speaks to us through things like conviction. He can take a word and, and we read a chapter of it. And there's so much information and knowledge that we gain about who God is. But at times, God will speak to us specifically from a passage or from a sentence. And it will hit us. It will hit us like a Mack truck. And we'll be like, oh, God. You are speaking to me today through this. You are wanting to encourage me or you are wanting to correct me or you are wanting to guide me through this. And now I understand what I need to do and how I should repent or how I should lift myself up and be encouraged because you're reminding me of something. Does God speak to you like that? Because he does. Because you are a child of God. You are the bride of Christ. And our God is a God who speaks to us. Look at Acts chapter 2. When on the day of Pentecost, and Peter said, this is what's happening, what Joel prophesied. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. What is Joel saying? Joel was saying there's, there's going to be one day where it's not just Samuel who hears the voice of God, who God speaks to regularly and who breaks that, that rare condition of God's word and turns it into something more common and more prolific. It's not just Samuel that's going to be able to do that, but it is going to be all of God's children. If you are a child of God, this is why it's sons and daughters, young men, old men, everybody who has the Spirit of God within them, God will be speaking to you. And and in a way that is even greater than the prophets because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. That is the age within which we live, brothers and sisters. The age of the Spirit poured out and of a God who speaks. John, he said in 1 John 2, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. John's saying, you don't need a teacher. You don't need any teachers. Does that mean like we shouldn't have teachers? No, the Bible talks about teachers in a lot of other places. I I teach God's word. I believe the Bible says that we should have teachers. But what is John saying? John is saying, you don't need to be brainless You have the Spirit of God within you who can convict you and guide you. Brothers and sisters, do you have convictions that come from the Holy Spirit? Or is it always just what other people tell you? What should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Tell me what to do. Do you have convictions? Because God has spoken to you, and you've heard his voice as well. So what? do we do, brothers and sisters, what is our response? Simply, like Samuel, we come before God and we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's it. Simple response, a simple attitude, a simple disposition of the heart. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But you know as well as I do how much easier it is to say than it is to do because we are such a distracted people. It is so hard to listen to God. It's it's hard to listen to a human being sitting in front of you, let alone listen to God. You know that. Maybe you've looked for people who will listen to you and you can't find them. We have a difficult time listening to other human beings. Somebody's talking and somebody's telling you stuff and you're listening but you're thinking about something else, you're thinking about work. You're thinking about what you gotta do later on and you totally blank out. Somebody's talking to you but before you know it, you pull out your phone because you got a notification, you gotta check that and the person doesn't feel like you're listening to them anymore. It's hard to listen nowadays. Honestly, for me, One of the best times, and this is not a good thing, it's kind of a sad thing, one of the best times when I listen to God is when I'm in the shower. It's one of the best times because it's pretty hard to get distracted. I don't trust the waterproofness of my my iPhone, (laughs) Um, especially, or the shampoo-proofness of it and the soap-proofness of it. Uh, I don't have books that are laminated on every single page. I can't hear my podcast well unless I build in a speaker system into the bathroom. There's not much else I could do except shower and be alone with my thoughts. And sometimes those are the moments when I have the most lucid thoughts. Some of you have had those eureka moments for work or something like that. And I've had those moments where I've prayed deeply because there was nothing else distracting me. It is a challenge, isn't it, brothers and sisters? to really sit at the feet of God and listen. But we need to be able to do that, to be able to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I don't know if you've ever tuned one of those old radios, and you know when you tune the radio and you're trying to get the station, and you know, when, you know what you hear when you're between two different stations, right? <laughs> right? Right? That's what you hear. You can't hear anything. But as you get closer to one station, and then you get it precisely on that one station, you can hear it crystal clear. You can hear the music or the speaker crystal clear. But you can't be on two stations at once. You have to be totally dialed in. Do we dial in to God? Do we give God that space where we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When we pray, we may be real good at asking and talking. We could be real good. we got to list 10 things deep. God, I need you to heal this person. I need you to provide financially in this way. I need you to tell me what I should do in terms of what school I should go to or what job I should take or if I should date this person or marry this person. we got things that we ask, 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 ask but do we give God space to speak where we are listening? Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you to carve out that time for God. Whether it's in your time of prayer or or maybe go for a long drive, if that helps you to be able to just connect with God, or maybe going for a walk and leaving your phone at home I like going to this labyrinth near my house. There's a retreat center that has a labyrinth. I love labyrinths because they're like a maze except there's only one way you can go. You can't get lost. It's like choose your own adventure, but everything's chosen for you, and you just walk, and I don't need to think, and I just tune out to the world, and I just talk with God as I walk along that path. That helps me. I want to challenge you this week to take a three-minute challenge of silence. Every day, to take just three minutes, take your phone out, turn off the notifications, set your alarm for three minutes, find the quiet place, and just sit there and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And just be silent before God. Open up your heart to him and listen for him in whatever he may want to say. Fight the distractions in your mind. If some urgent thing comes up that you can't forget, just write it down on a notepad so that you know you won't forget it, so that your heart is free to tune into God. Take three minutes a day, whether morning, during your lunch break, or at night, whenever, just to be silent and to give God that space to speak, to build that in. When you read the Word of God this week, instead of saying, I gotta read my chapter and check it off, could you start off your time, saying, God, speak to me through your word. Your servant is listening. You can ask God, Lord, through dreams. Do you believe that God still speaks through dreams? I do. We're in Silicon Valley. We love being efficient and multitasking. It doesn't get more efficient than God speaking to you while you're sleeping, right? Some of you have other stuff hooked up to you at night while you're sleeping to try to to, to get efficient and It's actually making you crazy probably, but God can even speak through dreams. Yesterday morning, before I woke up, I had a dream, and I believe it was from God, and I don't have these very often, but I had one, and and it was one of those where a lot of times I chalk it up to the pizza I had last night too late, but this time I was like, God, I think you're speaking, and I took another couple minutes after I woke up, and I said, God, Is that you? Is that you speaking? What does this mean? What are you saying to me right now? I don't want to miss this. God can speak through dreams. Do you come into Sunday, into our worship, saying, God, expecting to hear from God as you worship, expecting to hear from God during the message, expecting to hear from God as we gather together as a family, or do we just go through the motion like Eli, like his sons, of just going through the motions of Christianity. Because that leads to religiosity and it leads to dark times. But God wants a vibrant relationship. Last week we learned that God is a God who listens to us. This week, may we be convicted that God is a God that we should listen to as well, that speaks whom we can hear. Jesus died upon the cross and was raised from the dead so that the Spirit of God could be poured out upon each and every one of us if you are a believer in Christ so that you can hear from God. Samuel didn't know it, but God was speaking multiple times. He didn't know it. He had to learn how to distinguish between the voice of God In the voice of this world he didn't know which was which he had to learn that he had to figure that out brothers and sisters i believe that god is speaking to you i believe that if you are a child of god god has a lot that he wants to say to you he wants to speak into your life He wants to guide you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to correct you. He wants to speak into your life. Even right now, if you will give him the chance, if you'll give him the opportunity, if you will slow down your life and your mind enough to come and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, I believe he will take you down that path where you will learn to discern when God is speaking and guiding you. And this one life that we have, it is too important for us to not hear his voice and his leading and his guiding. God loves you. He wants to guide you. He wants to speak to you. You know, brothers and sisters, when, when Christine and I, when we were in New York and we were going through a difficult time because of things that happened in our, our previous church and we were deciding whether or not we wanted to come out here to San Francisco to plant this church, Man, we wrestled with that so hard. It was such a difficult decision for us. We were born and raised in New York. That was our life. That was everything. I thought that I would live and die in New York. I thought it was the greatest city in the world. I was very naive back then. Now, all it took is a few days of 70-degree weather in November to change my mind. But that was my life. And Christine and I were praying and we were wrestling about this. It was the most difficult decision. Do we leave New York? Do we leave the church where we were? And do we come out here to San Francisco, come out to Radiance, come out and plant this church? Do we move our kids? Do we move them from their friends? Do we endure seeing the tears that our daughter would cry about leaving her friends and leaving New York? Do we do all of that? And it was so difficult. It was the most difficult decision that we ever made in our lives. And we're there saying, what do we do? What do we do? God, speak to us. God, what do you want us to do? We need to know what you want. And then one day we were at home and we we're wrestling with this. And We see our daughter, Audrey, sitting at the dining table, reading, reading a book. Went over and look at that. What are you reading, Audrey? And she was reading a book, Flat Stanley, Escape to San Francisco. And we're like, what? Why are you reading that? (laughs) What's going on there? Why would you be? Why are you you reading? Where are you getting that book from? Like, what's going on? Is that God? Is that you? And then we were driving around, and it was like snowy. and It was cold, and you know, we love New York, but we park our minivan in the street, and we get out of the car, and our boy, young boy Noah, he gets out of the car. Usually, he's a he's a very lucky, happy-go-lucky kid. And he sees some poop on the sidewalk and some pee. And he goes, oh, gosh, disgusting. We got to get out of this city, Dad. I said, what? You never say stuff like that. What do you mean? We got to get out of here. This is gross. I was like, okay. I know that that seems really silly. and makes me look like a hyper charismatic, right? I'm not a hyper charismatic. I, I went to Westminster Theological Seminary. Very, very reformed conservative seminary. But you know, as silly as that may sound, I really do believe, and I think Christine believes as well, God was, God was in his grace and in his mercy, in our despair of not knowing what we should do, and in our prayer and crying out to God, God was directing us in little ways here and there. He was guiding us and bringing us to a place of ultimate peace. And it wasn't just those two things, but it was through prayer. Through counsel and ultimately bringing us to a place of peace where we came here and we believe that this was the will of God. And we're so thankful that God loves us so much as a father loves his daughter and son that he would speak to us. What are you trying to figure out in your life without God? Do you need God's encouragement? Do you need God to speak into your life? God is eager too if you would take the time to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I'll invite us right now um, as the worship team begins to play. Can we just close our eyes? And, uh, you know, I just want us to take uh, a couple of moments here to just slow down And to put this in the practice and to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And if if you don't do this normally, and if like most people, you live a frenetic, fast-paced life here in Silicon Valley, and maybe you're a parent and you got young kids, and you just got so much going on. And we've been trained you know, like, like dogs with the Pavlov, Pavlovian response to just, you know, you, you can't go 30 seconds, right, without picking up your phone. If you have downtime while you're standing in line or you're in the bathroom, you, you pick up your phone. You fill it. You play a game. You check your email. You check your, your stocks. You, you f- send a few messages around. Empty space is getting crowded out. And it's an epidemic. It really is. And we are getting, it's becoming habitualized where we don't have any downtime. We don't have empty space. We don't know how to just be before God and listen without stray thoughts coming in or without the urge to pick up our phone. Again, I want to challenge you this week, three minutes a day of silence before God in a listening posture, not thinking about stuff, not praying, but listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Not just like us right now to try just a a few moments here of silence before God and of disciplining our minds to take our anxious thoughts and to lay them down before God. Be able to say, God, I trust you. I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of that. I don't need to worry about that right now. I can give you a couple of minutes. You're the God of the universe. I can trust you. And I'm going to believe that what you may have to say to me right now is far more important. It can change the trajectory of my day or even my life. Let's just do that right now. Take a couple of moments, a couple of minutes, a minute or two here quiet our hearts, still our hearts, and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Let's do that right